cliffcentral.com Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and cliffcentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. Alongside me today is meant to be Lionel Makokotlele hasn't arrived yet and no letter of apology. So um, we'll talk to him soon. <laughs> We're going to have uh, today with us a champion of labor law and his name is Saul Smith and he's of my law firm, attorneys Dewey Hertzberg-Levy. And uh, for the first segment, Saul is going to be talking about the most recent rulings from our labor courts. Now, one of them is is really of, of great interest because an employee got 30 months salary, and I think it's 50 grand a month. Uh, he was awarded by the Labor Appeal Court after he claimed he had been wrongfully dismissed. So listen up for that one. It's coming up to you. It's coming through very, very soon. Later in our show, we're talking about birds, bird watching, and uh, it's because South Africa is rated one of the best countries in the world for, for bird watching. Our studio guest is going to be Mark D. Anderson of Bird Life. He's the CEO, and he'll be talking about the magnificent bird life and the recent and unique five-day cruise along the South African continental shelf, which they all undertook from Cape Town. Very interesting on that one. Our email address is law at cliffcentral.com. The Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg, and our Twitter handle is at Hertzlaw. Also today I want to thank uh, Benji Scheinberg, our researcher, and sitting next to me on controls, Palessa, the very quiet Palessa. Welcome, Palessa. Okay, Saul Smith, you uh, have a a very keen interest in labor law and uh, and a background in labor law. You keep up to date on the latest decisions, and we're very grateful to have you in studio today. So let's just talk about, first of all, dismissal, because we want to get to that very recent court case where a man got 30 months. But uh, if you are unfairly dismissed, your first stop is usually a referral to the CCMA, as we all know. And if the CCMA finds in your favor, then they give you an award. What, uh, what is their jurisdiction? What is the maximum the CCA can really give you? Hi, Gary. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, the CCMA is, has, has a maximum jurisdiction of 12 months salary. They can't really give you any more than that. Um, they can also award a reinstatement. So they can, they can, and, and that can be with, with back pay, mm. but not, not more than 12 months. So what we're going to find out today is uh, I know that in in the CCMA, sometimes people get two weeks and sometimes they get 12 months. Why the difference? Does it have anything to do with having a good lawyer behind you or <laughs> why the distinction? Well, I mean, you've you've just actually asked two questions. Yeah. One, does it have anything to do with your lawyer? So the, the CCMA is, is, is not a court. So whether or not you have a lawyer is actually up to the commissioner. You have to make application, and very often lawyers make it too complicated. So very often the commissioner will say, well, we don't need you here. 
So you'll end up going there as an employee and you face off against the employer. Mm. Only in certain circumstances will the commissioner say, yes, you need a lawyer. Where, in, what, in what case would he say, all right, your lawyer is entitled to come in? Well, if you think about it logically, if the matter is legally complex and the commissioner can see it's legally complex and that your, your layperson or your sales accounts manager doesn't really understand it, then he would say you would need an attorney. Uh, other situations would be if you've got, say, your general worker who doesn't have a matric mm. and he's going off against, up against uh, a labor relations specialist from – you know, but this is very often in the security industry where you've got a security guard and you, and he's up against a labor relations specialist. Yeah. There's a huge discrepancy between the two skill sets. Mm. And in that situation, the commissioner would say, well, you, you should have representation here. You should have a lawyer. As far as the arbitration side within the CCMA is concerned, are you entitled to a lawyer there? You're not entitled to. You still have mm. to make application regardless of how complex it is or, or who the parties are. You have to make application to the commissioner. So well, I know you do a lot of this work because you work within – we work together. People are consulting you all the time, but you don't usually go to the CCMA or sometimes you do. What are you actually doing to get them – are you doing something to get them there? Yeah. Well, the, the application is very simple. But what you really want is to prepare people for what they're going to experience at the CCMA. So a lot of it's about getting their case together so that it's nice and clear that the points of law are set out for them. So when they do land up at the CCMA and the commissioner says, no lawyers, he's able to put his case forward in a clear manner mm. so that the commissioner can understand what the actual, what the case is about. Sometimes these things, it's a very emotional situation. You would, everyone knows if you get dismissed or if you, you know, you're at work and you're being harassed and you, you just can't take it. It becomes very emotional because it's your livelihood, understandably so. It's, it's, it's your entire life mm. and it's on the line now and you've been wrongfully dismissed and you've been accused of th thieving and your, you know, your integrity has been attacked. So you go to the CCMA and you are livid or you're sad and you're desperate. And all of these things get jumbled together and this hot pot of emotions and it, and it all comes to a head in the arbitration. The commissioner, while they're very good, they are very good at what they do, and they, they, they will lead people through their cases, that emotion often clouds the issue. Yeah. And if you're well prepared and you understand what your case is about, and you go in there almost as an outsider to your own case, mm. it, it really helps to clarify the I think issues. the complaint from the CCMA is, is that often people that go there just throw stuff at the commissioner. It's hard for him to make it out, uh, head or tail of it. He, uh, he's, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of work in the CCMA. So they want these things properly prepared, placed in a nice order so that they can get through it very speedily and get to some resolution. Absolutely. Yeah. Speedy resolution is, is the backbone of the CCMA. It's really what they're all about. Mm. And another thing, to consider is, is that the CCMA is not like the court in that you don't have pleadings. You don't tell – the judge has no idea. I mean, the, the commissioner has no idea what the case is about until you land there. All he's got is maybe a, a two-line description of what the case is about. Mm. In a court, the judge has the, the luxury of reams and reams of pleadings and counter, counterclaims, and he's, he's got all the evidence at his fingertips before he even walks into the court. Mm. The commissioner virtually walks in blind. So he's got to, in the first five minutes, he's got to figure out what's going on. What's the single most important tip 
you can give to anyone who's going to the CCMA. Sorry to throw that one at you, but what should they do? Well, the, 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 one of the most important things to consider is that the CCMA is not a bank. Mm. You're not going to go there and get… Lionel's just walked in. Well, oh, hello, Lionel. Lionel. Um, yeah. I've got a we, nearly, we nearly dismissed you, Lions. Yeah. We're talking labor law, so uh, we would have to have a disciplinary on you. <laughs> We'll talk about it later. Here's a, here's a warning for your late coming. You. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. And I believe we're talking about labor issues. We My are. apologies to no the problem. listeners. No problem. The traffic, I know you got stuck somewhere. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So, Saul, you were saying? Um, yes, you can't consider the CCMA to be a bank. You're not going to get a huge payout. You're not going to get damages. You're only going to get uh, like a consolation prize. Mm-hmm. And what I tell to almost Everyone who considers going to the CCMA is that a job is always better than a payout. Yeah. I know we always give that advice, even on this show. We say, um, look after, cherish your, your job because it's hard to find other employment and you're not going to get uh, that much out of the CCMA that will keep you going for too long. Not, no, not no. too long. Okay, so we're going to move. I'm just going to shelve the, the man who got 30 months for a moment because I want our listeners to, to hold on for that one. Something that's coming up a lot is what we call an employee confession where the employee comes along and he apologizes. He says, look, I've been stealing. You caught me stealing. And um, I apologize to you. I don't want to lose my job. And I'm prepared to sign any document you want me to sign. So the employer, I had one of these the other day, the employee phoned me and said, the employer wants me to sign a document that I'll repay the money, this, that, and the other. These confessions, does that prevent what's – the, what's the – talk to us about these confessions. Um, again, we've got a, a sort of a two-part situation. If someone comes to you as the employer and says, I, I've – out of my own conscience, I have, I've, I'm coming to you to confess. Mm. I'm telling you I've been stealing or I've been whatever it is that I've been doing and I, out of guilt, out of, out of my own, off my own bat, I'm mm. coming to you and telling you I'm confessing. Mm. Um, that's Can the, he retain his job? Abs- mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no onus. There's no, there's not, you, there's no mandatory dismissal. You can't, you don't have to dismiss anyone. So a guy comes to you and he says, I've been stealing. And you say, well, I like you and you're good at what you do and you've been here for a very long time and you've come forward to me. Mm. So there is a, there's some sort of trust. Mm. I, I can trust you because you've come to me and you've, you've opened up to me. So there is that trust. Mm. But I still want you to pay me back. Yes. That's totally fine. So let's, let's work out a deal where you pay me back and you keep your job. So he signs an acknowledgement of debt. And he says you can deduct it off my pay or whatever monthly or I'll pay you back. Do but you have to have uh, a disciplinary on him? Not if you don't want to dismiss him. If you've, if you've sorted things out amicably between the two of you, then there's no reason to have a disciplinary. The, what is the purpose of a disciplinary? Only if you want to dismiss someone. Is that, is that what you're saying? If you don't want to dismiss someone, you shouldn't have a disciplinary inquiry. The danger of a confession and acknowledgement of debt is afterwards the employee can say, you coerced me, you forced me into signing this. I didn't want to really pay it. Is that, does that happen? That does happen. That does happen where someone's threatened. We're going to fire you or, or else. 
But I, I have a problem with this. Yeah. If an employer does something illegal or unethical and mm. they come and converse without you knowing and yet you have to forgive them, isn't that really setting a wrong precedent uh, in the sense that you are really opening up? I love can, that question. It is can, a stunning you, question. You're Saul, right. yes, you're right, yes. Ronald. What is the, so you, I think the issue, Saul, is the, uh, you're setting a precedent. Well, what yes. does that show? Yeah. So you don't have to. Accept this, this, and 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 let them stay. You don't have to do that. Uh, if someone comes to you and says, "I've been stealing," and you say, "Well, that's just no good," and I, I can't keep you on because you're in a position of trust and you've been stealing, and I just you can't stay, then you have to have a disciplinary inquiry, and, and then you would have a full investigation and you have the formal inquiry, or it doesn't have to be the full formal inquiry because, as we know, you don't have to have a little court in your workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other part of your question? Uh, Setting oh, a precedent. Yes, yeah. the precedent. Yeah. What if, about other employees? If, yeah, that's if someone what comes mean. to you and says, I've been stealing and you don't fire him, and then another guy comes to you and says, I've been stealing and you do fire him, that's a little bit unfair. If you, you, you must have very good reason not to fire someone. For a dismissible offense Because uh, I mean This is what uh, Most companies Who actually have This so-called Well-performing employees Who come there Like one hour Before the time They would leave Two hours before Everybody have left And they think Then they are being productive And only to find that When they are sick You go through the work uh, That they've actually been doing You realize that There have been some Fraudulent activities happening And most financial institutions Have actually been Um Finding such uh, problems where people are actually stealing from them without them with their without their knowledge, and when it comes to prosecution, you'd find that people start going to say, um, "Can can we get into an agreement? I'll pay you back your money, uh, but I will probably just not work as many hours as I used to, just so that you monitor my my progress." And I don't, I don't I really don't know from the legal point of view. Do you think that is uh, applicable? Can it be done? I can. <laughs> There are certain offences that you have to report by law um, to to the officials. The, 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 in terms of the Corruption Act and some other acts, there, there are things that you must report, but you don't have to report everything. The question, Saul, also is if you do have a disciplinary and the recommendation is that the employee should be dismissed. Mm. Do you have to dismiss that employee? No, that's usually just a recommendation by the chairman. Mm. Um, he says you. It, it's almost like a, an allowance. It's, he says you can, on these facts and on these circumstances, you can dismiss. It's really up to you as the employer whether or not to enforce that sanction. Okay. Let's talk about the, the case that, that is very recent that everyone wants to know about. A court awarded damages of or, or an amount of, yeah. of 30 months. Yes. Um, now, how does that come about? So this is quite interesting. The Labor Court can award up to 24 months for offenses, I mean, for, for, dis, for dismissals that are considered to be automatically unfair. Mm. An automatically unfair dismissal usually has something to do with someone exercising their own rights under the Labor Relations Act. So, for instance, the Labor Relations Act says you, you may strike. You may you may take part in in a, in a protected strike. Mm. So if you do and you get dismissed for that, that would be what's de- what's called an automatically unfair dismissal, and you can get up to twenty four months on that. Now this is all under the Labor Relations Act. Mm. What's very interesting about this case is that it was actually brought under the Employment Equity Act. 
Give us the facts of the case, then we'll talk about it's, the law. It's yeah. a horrendous, horrendous case. Uh, oh. the, the story is is horrific. Um, a gentleman was working for a company, and he'd been there for quite a long time, around ten years, give or take. Mm. And he was good at what he did, and he was a star performer, and he he was. He he obviously got depressed or he had some issues and he attempted suicide by shooting himself in the in the mouth. Oosh. It's mm. it's really hairy. Mm. And uh but he survived. And four months later the uh the company was very um they were very giving to him. So during that time they gave him his leave, they gave him some unpaid leave, they gave him a loan and and he recovered. He didn't make a full recovery. He still had a speech impediment afterwards because he shot himself in the mouth, mm. and he and he had some physical disfigurement. But four months later, he he said, "Okay, I'm 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 ready to come back to work." And his doctor and his psychologist said, "He's he's good to go. He can come back to work." Um, and he'd recovered. What the the case says, eighty percent of his speech. Mm. So he was he had a speech impediment of some sort, and the company said, "No, no." You can't come back because you can't do the job anymore. Hmm. So he said, "Hey, hang on. Well, why? I, I can still work. I'm still able to work. I can do. I can perform the function." And they said, "No, you should go claim disability." And he said, "No, I can work. I don't want to claim a disability. I'm not incapacitated. I'm totally able to do the job. Maybe you. Maybe we can talk about Did it." Did he deal with any customers or clients? No, he was. Uh, Internal and and supplier based facing, mm, so he was mm. he was not even client facing. Mm. I, I could understand that there might be, uh, it's a, it's it's a bit sticky, but there might yeah. be an inherent requirement of the job if he was yes, client sure. facing, maybe. Yes. yes. Um, maybe, but in mm. this case, he, he well, wasn't. he could. You know, it may his disfigurement could have put clients off. Yes. People may yes. not have wanted to have. Have had any dealings with him? So Unfor- unfortunately, humans yeah. are humans, and but and isn't that discrimination? That sorry. that in itself is discrimination. yes, but it's the way people are. You but know, they, they don't have to give an excuse; they can say, "Sorry, we buy from someone else." I I have a problem with that because then it just means then we as people who are regarded as able and not physically challenging in any way tend to think uh, we are more superior than others. And I really would promote... It might promote not be a superiority thing. It, it's it's like a comfort thing. Mm. Uh, some pe- some people are uncomfortable around disabled people. But why? Oh. <laughs> it's the way it is, Lines. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's another a, discussion. That is a huge <laughs> question. Uh, no, we'll probably have a discussion on this because I went to a, a conference where uh, physically challenged people were actually making a presentation as well as uh, speech-impaired people where they used their hands to communicate, where they did a whole presentation using their hands. They never actually compromised, and they actually just wanted us, able people who can actually listen and hear mm-hmm. and to just really feel what it feels like for them when they're in our company, when we actually communicate and we don't even consider them. And no, I think... Yeah, you geez, know, really, a, um, really hard I hear what you say. Mm. We all, uh, you know, what faces us is what we deal with. And if you decide that someone's not appealing to you, uh, you can move on. Uh, I know I'm sounding harsh, but uh, it's not a matter of discriminating. You just would rather deal with someone else. And, and that's it. But anyway, Saul, let's get to the facts because the law is very interesting on this one. It is. Um so they didn't. The, the the employer didn't let him come back to work. Mm. So he said, "Well, stuff you. I'm going to go to the labor court." And he 
he went to the labor court and he said, these people are discriminating against me based on my disability mm. on a listed ground in the employment equity. On my act. looks, that's what he was yeah. complaining about. Yeah. Yeah. My ability, mm. my ability. Yeah. Um, so the labor court, interestingly, awarded this guy 24 months plus an additional six months in consolation for his hurt feelings and his his, his non-patrimonial loss. Mm. But they did this because the employer is, has an obligation to alter the to alter the job description mm. to fit the man. Yes. Because he was there. He he was he was employed there. He became slightly disabled but not incapacitated disability and incapacity are very different things you can disability can lead to incapacity but only after every other option is considered mm. you can't dismiss a man for having for losing an arm if he's still able to do a job yes. or perform his function to a degree mm. perhaps you you take away some responsibilities and and reduce his salary but you you the, the whole point of the thing is to preserve employment. Um, and in this case, the court was actually appalled, completely appalled, that the employer called this man cosmetically unacceptable. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, and that's why he got such a huge award. I mean, it's, it's disgusting what these people Understandable, did. Understandable, yeah. And they also, the court said that, that the employer could have made very minor changes, very, very minor changes mm. to his responsibilities, and it would have been no hardship to the employer. It wouldn't have been difficult. It wouldn't, they wouldn't have to put in ramps, and they wouldn't have to you know, change anything. They wouldn't have to make all the notes in Braille. They wouldn't have to do anything, really, uh, to, to accommodate this man. Mm. And that's why this, this was seen as so unfair. What was his salary? Did you, did I ask you? Um, he, he got. He was on around fifty grand a month. Uh-huh. So and he, he got, got thirty he months. Got thirty months, which is yeah. a, a fair amount of cash. Mm. Um, obviously, there's a. He, he could struggle to get another job, so I'm sure he wanted to retain the job, but clearly he couldn't. Yeah. Well, so, a, as we said earlier, yeah. a job is always better than a settlement. You mm. know, if he'd mm. been employed for for three years, he would have made that money. In the normal course, Saul. Mm. If it if it is an unfair dismissal, what is the maximum the labor court can give you? The labor court can give up to twenty four months mm. when it's an automatically unfair dismissal. Give me an example. Um, if you are if there's sexual harassment in the workplace, yes, that would that would be an automatically unfair dismissal. Mm-hmm. Or if you're dismissed for going on strike, as I said, or if yeah. you're. Uh, if you're discriminated unfairly discriminated against because of your race, gender, um, if you get pregnant and you go on maternity leave and they don't let you come back afterwards, uh, that would be an automatically unfair dismissal. So mm. that, that's, when, that's when you get those big awards. One of the other cases that's very recent is what we call automatic termination of employment contracts. So in other words, you take on someone for a limited period because you have a contract for that period. Yeah. So yeah, is that is that legal? Are you are it, you allowed to fire him after the contract is concluded? It is legal, and it, it's quite. You say common. legal? Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is quite legal, yeah. um, and it's very common in in security firms, and very common, I think, also in construction. Um, 
And also call centers do it. So when one company gets a contract with another company, so the security example is so clear and so easy to use. A security company gets a contract with a building site, and the building site says, I need 20 guards, I need them till the building is done. And the security company says, okay, well, I don't have 20 guys, so I'm going to hire 20 guys. Mm. But in their contract, I'm going to say, when this contract with the construction site ends, your t- your employment will end. I have tied your employment to my contract with my client. Mm. And that's, that is legal. It's not... Now, this, this very point went to the Labor Appeal Court. Yes, it did. And... Uh, the the concern here is you you give the employee the the three month employment because your contract is three months when the contract is over you tell him to leave he says but hold on you must go through a process and the employee here said no I employed you for three months that contract is done you must leave mm. and that's why did it go to the labor appeal court well why was it necessary it seems so clear cut. It, it seems clear cut, but and the CCMA thought it was clear cut too, because yeah. these these labour issues need to go through the CCMA before you get to the labour court, mm. especially this kind of an unfair dismissal that isn't automatically unfair. So the CCMA said, "Yeah, you're absolutely right. You have no claim here. You you weren't really dismissed." Mm. They said, "We actually don't have jurisdiction because you weren't dismissed. Your contract came to an end because yeah. the the." Terminative clause. Um, the the termina- your your the, contract was over. That's the end of that. Well, the event yeah. that terminates the contract yeah. Yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. So you weren't dismissed. It's just the end of your contract. Yeah. Um, and the employees didn't like that. So they they said, well, let's go to the let's go to the labor court. And um, yeah, the labor court said the opposite of what the CCMA said. They said, no, this, you absolutely are employees, and you're entitled to to be considered as employees yes and the employer said well that's not good enough so they took it to the labor appeal court and the Mm. labor appeal court basically said what we've said Mm. that this is just a a, it's a contract and your employment term is tied to this contract so there's one case that before we close off and we run out of time time. so quickly i'm so sorry the the constitutional court has very also very recently uh, given a win for same-sex partners Maybe you can talk to us. Lionel's quite excited about yeah. that. Tell us about that. That's interesting. It, it builds on an old constitutional court case. Um, I don't, I'm not quite sure when, but it was before same-sex civil unions were, were lawful and mm. same-sex marriages were lawful. So prior to, prior to that, there was a case where a, a man had died and his same-sex partner, life partner, mm. wanted to inherit as a spouse. Yes. And it went to the Constitutional Court, and the Constitutional Court said, yes, you may be considered as uh, as as a spouse. Mm. So that was a while ago. Then we got uh, legalized same-sex marriage and same-sex civil union. And the same thing occurred where a man had passed and his same-sex partner, who was not his spouse in law but was his life partner, mm had to go to the, all the way to the Constitutional Court again because he wasn't a legal spouse. He was just a life partner. Mm. And the Constitutional Court said, that's fine. We had the ruling 10 years ago, whenever it was, and it still stands. 
you don't have to be married. So if somebody dies and, and doesn't leave a will, then it goes according to uh, intestate. intestate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Over here, the same-sex life partner said, well, I'm, I'm, like a, a, I'm, a, spouse. I'm a spouse. I'm a spouse. Mm-hmm. Treat me as you would in the normal course. As, as if it was a heterosexual marriage As if we were married Married, yeah Because now that the marriage is allowed Yeah There was this idea that perhaps this ruling Oh, I see, as if he anymore. was married yes. Yeah, as if he was married So prior to the yeah. legalization This man won and he said, I'm the spouse And the mm. constitutional court backed him up and said Yes, you're the spouse, you can inherit I mean, I suppose you've got to prove that you've been living together for some time In yeah, order to yeah. create Look, the with, with the, social media yeah. these days, it's so easy you know, you you can you can tell exactly how long people have been together just by tracking their social media backwards. Or and people can give affidavits as well that yeah, they yeah. they come to your dinner old parties photographs and old photographs and, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's, it, yeah. You so you don't have to be married in order to create this kind of union. Spousal bond. Yeah, the bond. Mm. Very interesting. Saul, I'm sorry we've run out of time and we had a few oh, more, uh, but uh, we'll bring you back again. Please, let's thank you, do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for this. Cool. Thank you and, for having uh, me. Yeah. Saul, we're going to be dealing with uh, bird life and I'm, birding. I'm, I'm so in. Okay. You want to stick around yes. and you can partake a little. Yes. We're going to break for a moment break. and then on a separate podcast, we're going to invite Mark D. Anderson in to talk to us about birding. We'll be right back. Cliffcentral.com. 